As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you for joining us for this week's conversation on the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. We are in the midst of our October theme, which is building inclusive and equitable cultures. And today I am joined by Chris Faust, President and CEO of Clovernook Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired. Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, no, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So Chris, one of the things that we felt was very important for this conversation is to think through diversity in the right spectrum of so many different topical areas that sometimes we easily move past and we don't talk enough about. And that part around disabilities and differently abled humans brought to mind of, wow, this would be a great conversation with Chris on what you learn each and every day in your workplace and just the insights that you can share to get others thinking about the power of thinking truly inclusive and being very purposeful and thinking about all of the humans in our community that bring capabilities, skills, talents, and gifts to the workplace and to the world around us. So now let's unpack that (laughs) in this conversation. So Chris, can you share a little bit with our listening audience about your organization, how long you've been here, and then uh, walk us down this path of learning for today's discussion. All right. Yeah, this is a great discussion. I'm really glad that I'm able to kind of bring this out and talk about it in open conversations because it is very important. I joined Clovernook about 10 years ago, and it's the first nonprofit I have been at. I've been with for-profit premium converting companies the rest of my career. And I knew I would have a learning experience coming here, but it has been an experience that has exceeded all of my expectations, all of my dreams, really. You know, when I first came here, I was going to be coming to work in the manufacturing area and help them develop some protocols and processes and things like that. And so really didn't know how long I would be here. Well, here I am 10 years later and I'm running the organization. It's just great. The people that I work with are wonderful. When you look at inclusivity and equitable situations and things like that. One of the things I see coming out of Clovernook is that we have a diverse workforce and we've taken diversity and inclusion seriously. And so we have a workforce that's about 38% blind and visually impaired and we have diversity within the organizations. And what you see is people have learned to work together and you don't notice disabilities, you don't notice differences in the people. Basically, everyone has pulled together, they support each other, and they make each other better. And I think that's been one of the best things I've seen come out of learning about individuals with disabilities, what their mindsets are. And my workforce right now, I, would, I wouldn't trade them for anyone. They are absolutely fantastic. When you look at people with disabilities, there's a lot of stigmas and biases that go into, into that. And 
a lot of people will assume someone can't do something, whereas they really don't know if they can. For example, a lot of people, I believe, would assume someone who's blind or visually impaired can't work on a computer, you know, can't work on a smartphone because they can't see what is there. And uh, it's quite the opposite. There's a lot of innovations and in technology that allow particularly people that are blind and visually impaired to perform functions that most people wouldn't think of. There are screen readers that people can listen to with headsets on, and so it will read to them what's on the screen. There's also refreshable Braille displays for Braille readers where they can read a line of Braille with raised dots, hit a button, and it'll bring the next line up of what's on the computer screen. So they can see exactly what's on the computer screen, either through Braille or listening. And so they're able to do computer-oriented jobs. In fact, in our transcription department in Braille, we consider them computer programmers in transcription. And we believe we're the largest Braille print house in the world in terms of number of Braille print pages. We produce over 20 million Braille pages a year. And so that's kind of the core of our organization, the Braille print house. And we utilize a lot of blind and visually impaired labor throughout our whole Braille process. We also have a social enterprise where we assemble file folders for federal governments. And then we also have a package and assembly area that we do with some commercial organizations, which we can cover in a little bit. Um, and then we do have vision services where we partner with uh, local agencies like the Cincinnati Eye Institute Foundation for adult clinics. And then Cincinnati Children's Hospital where we have a pediatric clinic that is a fully immersive one where it's helping kids who already know they have a vision issue, it's helping them maximize what they can do with their vision and what technology helps them. And basically, how are they normal within the classrooms like everybody else? If you were to really look at our agency and what we're trying to accomplish, it really is to allow individuals that are blind or visually impaired have normal everyday lives, be full participants in their communities and have independence. And so a lot of what we teach and train is independence. That's where it comes down to also being employed. So you mentioned that your organization has a lot of diversity and the inclusiveness of gender, ethnicity, ability are all throughout your organization. You manufacture product, you employ individuals who have various disability around uh, vision and then you're also partnering with corporations in the marketplace. Do organizations come to you to say, Chris, I need some help. We're thinking of, of employing someone who's blind and we want to make sure that our organization is set up for that. Or do they bring those services to you and say, here are some things we believe that individuals can do yep. and we would like to employ you as a contractor to support us. Walk us through a little bit of the connection of the employer services side. Sure. And it, and it works both ways. Both of those examples that you just gave are how a lot of our conversations go with companies. Some companies may have, for example, they'll come to us because they have a packaging application, packaging or assembly that it's not really consistent. It kind of comes in surges for them. So for them to ramp up a workforce around it doesn't make sense. And so they'll, they'll have us do those products for them. So we, kind of, we have a full-time packaging and assembly area, so we keep people busy by everyone else's different surging levels, so we're able to balance the business and support what they do. 
and we have had cases where when the customer's business has increased enough and we've been doing the job for them, they actually look at then can we bring that back internally to their own facility with people that are blind or visually impaired. So kind of almost a trial, if you want to call it that, where our individuals can uh, demonstrate how capable they are and they can do a commercial product and then they can be hired. And we don't mind if people get hired away. And then other times, just as you said, someone will come to us and say, I, I would like to hire someone with disabilities. And this is a common question. They have no idea how to go about doing it. They know they want to. They just don't know where to even start. And that's where we've been able to help. We provide a lot of services that way. And in the past, we have worked a lot with the uh, state of Ohio OOD. It's opportunities for Ohioans with disabilities. But for other states and areas, if you look at the state and county, if you look up vocational resource services or resource centers, they can help you out. And what, what we've done with companies is we go in and we help them. We bring them people to interview. They choose who they would like to have do the job. And then we would go in with them with a job coach that would help explain to them and help teach them their job that they're going to be doing and what we do is we bring in a team with that, where we bring in an O&M person, which is an orientation mobility, because that's one of the largest concerns of outside employers is because their natural inclination is if I hire someone who's blind, they won't know how to get to get around my company and they want them safe. So the orientation mobility instructor works with the individuals, literally teaching them how to get to the place of employment on the bus line or access or Uber, and then how to get into the building, get to their workstation safely. And once they're at their workstation, then we have technology individuals that will help teach them the technology of a, of a local company. Um, if, for example, we did put an individual into Fifth Third Bank working at their call center. And so we brought someone in that would help teach that individual how to utilize the technology of you know, Fifth Third system and how to best access it and whether they would use JAWS or a refreshable braille display. But basically we provide the resources or the state and the vocational counties do. And the best point for employers to understand is that if they utilize those sources, they don't have to pay for this kind of support. I know some companies right now, they're concerned about what it costs. And this is a fantastic way of employing people with disabilities without increasing your costs to train them and teach them how to get there, be safe, do their jobs well. I tell you, I will. I think if people were to hire people that are blind or visually impaired or other individuals with disabilities, they will see what I have seen, which is the work ethic is second to none. The individuals that we work with, we place, they so much want to prove that they're capable and they can earn their income and their living. They want to hand up, they don't want to hand out. And that's where. You know, we've spent the past four or five years really looking at wages and we've been increasing our wages because as you were talking about earlier with, you know, inclusion and equitable cultures, it used to be that you pay people with disabilities less than, and that's no longer acceptable. In fact, even with, you know, sub-minimum wage, we don't do any of that. Everybody needs to make a living wage. And so you're able to, with these resources of O&M technology and job coaching, you're able to get an individual up to speed so they can earn an equitable living. That gives them the independence. 
in their regular lives. And then it allows them to determine what they want to do from there. Chris, when you think through the, the feedback that you receive from organizations, from employers around stigmas or things they wish they would have known sooner in order to employ blind and visually impaired individuals. You know, I'm seeing several large corporations in our region that are really highlighting that they are hiring blind talent into their place of work. What do you hear as, like, I never knew that, or I wish I would have known that sooner? I think it comes down to a lot of the stigmas or assumptions around utilizing technology or being able to work like in an accounting financial function. I've seen many employers really surprised when we, we talk to them. A lot of times we'll start off with packaging and assembly discussions, and then we'll talk about, well, what about your front office functions, your accounting and call center type work? And it surprises people when they go, how are they doing our financial work if they can't see the numbers? And that's where we get back to, again, the technology part of it. They don't have to see your numbers. They'll either hear it through the programming or they'll read it on the refreshable braille displays. And this is something that I think does surprise people. And it, it's not just for people that are blind or visually impaired. I think this applies to individuals with developmental disabilities. Some individuals have an, a, just an incredible ability to remember things. Numbers, and for example, some individuals can basically work numbers like a whiz or where they remember facts and details that most people would forget. And we've actually been able to benefit from that in our Braille print house where we convert printed text to Braille dots. And it's a process called transcription. And you have to go through a certification process, which is very difficult, very grueling. It takes quite a while. But you have to memorize thousands of codes for contractions of words based on the context of the sentence and things like that. So, you know, I have to admit, if, if I had to try and remember that and do that every day, I don't know that I would be very good. But there are some individuals, they love coding. They love the black and white of, if it's this, then that. And they like a, a world that they can get some order to. And doing jobs like this, which require very sharp mental acuity, it's great for them. So it gives them a good outlet for their, their abilities. And it's like anything else, matching someone's skill sets up to what is needed. Um, we do a lot of, lot of partnership and work with Procter & Gamble in terms of accessibility and things like that. And if you look at an organization like Procter & Gamble, they have publicly stated that they want to increase their, their business in inclusion because they find that individuals can do these jobs at an extremely high level. And that's what I think employers are pleasantly surprised when they're able to observe high-level high productivities from people with disabilities. And I, they're all glad that it happened, but I think their natural biases, their expectations were set lower than they would be if they didn't have a disability. Yeah. Chris, when you look at your team and how individuals in Iraq and how fulfilled people are to their work and employee engagement and morale. Can you define that for us a little bit, what you experience in a being an employer that I think you said 40% mm-hmm. of your workforce 40%. is blind and visually impaired? Yeah, I think they truly 
appreciate the opportunity and they love being able to grow, try new things. And that's where I get tremendous joy out of watching our individuals grow and do different things. And so we like to be able to promote people upwardly and give them more mobility. And I think what they really have liked is the fact that they're integrated. So a lot of people will talk about diversity and inclusion, and this is all part of integration so that they're working alongside people without disabilities and so that they're able to understand, yeah, the disability doesn't define them. It is just one part of them. And so I think it gives them just greater self-confidence and independence and everything. So I, and it's just great to see, and we utilize individuals throughout our whole structure. So it, you know, we kind of walk our talk, <laughs> literally are another example of jobs that people may not think about is front desk receptionists. Um, we use two individuals, one is blind, one's visually impaired, and they do an absolutely fantastic job running our front desk. And people will come in and they won't, they won't even notice that there's a difference. And so that's an area where someone wouldn't think of them, but they can do very, very well there. Chris, when you, you were mentioning your organization as one of the largest Braille print houses in, is it the world in America? Yeah, we believe it's in the world because literally producing over 20 million Braille pages, that's, that's just a, a very large amount. And in fact, once we get post-COVID again, we're going to be starting up our monthly tours where people can come in and see our Braille production in operation and how we do it. And everybody is amazed that I can't believe this much Braille gets produced. Hmm. And so, yeah, we do believe it's in the world and we utilize in individuals with disabilities in almost every aspect, the transcription, the computer coding part of it, the proofreading of the materials. We have one individual that will be blind and another individual sighted and They'll read the Braille while the other person will read the actual printed magazine or book and make sure they match up. Even our press operators for pressing the Braille, we have someone who's visually impaired. They have kind of tunnel vision and they're deaf. But you set up the right safety protocols with light curtains and other things and so that they're very safe. And you're just amazed that they're able to do it. And then even out on our collator when we're combining the sheets. Uh, we have two visually impaired collator operators. And again, we set up the safety protocols, but uh, they're able to run this very long machine, about 20 feet long, and they do a fantastic job of it. You know, a lot of it is just opening up people's minds and eliminating some of the biases. And when I talk about this, I'm not trying to be critical of anyone because quite honestly, all of us have biases and kind of stigmas that we know or think of. And I have to admit, I had a bias when I first started here, and I didn't even realize I had it. But, you know, after I joined, I joined in the summer. And then when winter came around, I asked the president, you know, so I'm assuming that we shut down a lot in the winter or we have delayed openings you know, quite a bit. And, and she was like, no, I'm not sure why you think that. And I said, well, blind and visually impaired walking on ice and snow, I think that could be kind of dangerous. And she goes, oh, no, 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 no. They take all the precautions necessary to stay safe. She goes, just watch. Tell me what you observe after our first snow day. And I did. So I went back up there and I said, well, I've counted about eight-sided people that didn't make it to work. And every blind and visually impaired person made it to work on time. Wow. <laughs> and it has been that way for 10 years. And and I've asked people, you know, how 
how do you do it? And they're like, well, we, we worked with our apartment complex and they shovel the sidewalk so that we can get to the bus stop. And several individuals said, well, we take the bus that's an hour earlier in order to allow for some time to, so we won't be late. So not only do they want to get here, but they want to get here on time. And I think that's the, the biggest thing that employers will observe like I have is that the work ethic is just second to none. They just, they really want to do a good job and they want to earn earn their money and earn their keep. And they're willing to do the things that you would think they wouldn't have to in order to prove themselves. Well, what you just referenced, Chris, talks a lot about engagement and feeling a sense of purpose and a personal, you know, we talk a lot about aligning individuals' personal and professional goals. And when you're helping people meet their professional needs, both psychologically, emotionally, and physically, and they are thankful for that, right? People want to show up no matter what, right? They They want, they want to be there. They want to serve and support and learn. And it's quite an inspiration. It is. It is watching them. And that's what, uh, everyone has their good days and their bad days. And, you know, there's some, some days where I'll be, maybe not having the greatest day. And, uh, some of my employers will say, you need to go talk to Terry or you need to go talk to David. And so I'll go out and I'll talk to them. And literally by the time I come back up to the office, they're like, how are you doing? I'm great. Why? (laughs) (laughs) So the attitude is just, it's just fantastic. They have such a magnificent attitude. They stay positive and they really just want to keep doing things that improve things for our customers, their coworkers, family, friends. It's, it's amazing. Everything they do, they want to take care of somebody, which I have found very interesting. Have you talked, I assume you guys do performance reviews and mm-hmm. performance feedback and sounds like you do skill development, yeah. Yes, leadership development. You mentioned you're promoting people from within. What do you hear from them in being included and feeling engaged? And I think that that whole sense of purpose where an employer listening could go, I never thought of that, but I would love to hire a few individuals, especially mm-hmm. if you're going to help support the training and development and the safety precautions and things that I wouldn't even know what to think about if I were to do that. Exactly. And that's where we can help people. And yeah, we do evaluations every year and People really do appreciate the feedback. How can I get better? What else can I do? And then what else can I try? And I do think it takes a conscious effort by an employer. And that's that's where it can sometimes get a little difficult. But we've taken the steps. And we started about two years ago with literally a cultural competence, inclusion, and diversity discussion, uh, which we we have periodic sessions. And so we'll bring in you know, maybe about a third of the workforce and do different work group sessions. And so we talk about people's lives, what they've gone through. And it's very interesting, even though we're an agency for the blind and visually impaired, we have the same issues as other companies do in terms of implicit biases, people not understanding what other people have gone through in their lives. And there's varying levels of things. And so having open discussion and dialogue with fellow employees has really opened their eyes to, I'd never realized you went through something like that, or I, you know, I didn't know. 
sometimes you open yourself up and uh, you find that people are there to accept you and, uh, you know, reward you for that. And I think it's a conscious decision in order to do that. And part of that is also those evaluations to help people continue to get better. And uh, I think that's something I, I'm proud of our organization that we really do try to include everybody and improve their wages as much as we can and do the things that allow them to lead a, as much of a regular life as they can. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Chris, as we're wrapping up the conversation, what do you want to leave with our listeners that they can take away from this discussion, be inspired and take some action? I really think if people, if they leave here, leave with something along the lines of don't underestimate any individuals with disabilities, you know, particularly from my perspective, blind and visually impaired individuals, don't underestimate them, but challenge them. And you will see the positive reward of that. And that's what I say. I didn't know how long I would be here when I started. Here I am 10 years later. I love it. I love my people. It's just something that, you know, I don't think you could get it at another organization. And I think if commercial companies were to bring in people like we have, I think they would see the positive reward in their culture as well. Just a fantastic experience. Well, again, thank you for all that you do. Thank your people for all of the services and resources that they provide to the world with the amount of Braille that you're producing and the amount of manufacturing that you're doing. It seems like your organization is a great example of how to lead inclusively and how to get others to think about the impact of as you mentioned, the skills and talents and capability and abilities that all people bring and ensuring that we're doing our part to employ great talent and giving people purpose in the work that they can do in their workplaces and in their professional lives. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for allowing me to talk today. Absolutely. To those that are joining us, to our audience, we thank you for being a part of this conversation. Again, I'm here with Chris Faust, President and CEO of Clovernook Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired. We hope you've taken some key learnings from today, from quotes, from insights that Chris has shared. And I just want to thank you for being a part of our audience and learning with us on how to be a leader worth following and how to be a talent magnet in our workplaces and in the worlds that we're in. So thank you so much, and we look forward to our next conversation. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in Greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team 
that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Zippel Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.